Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blackwood Show. The Black, the Black, the Black, Black. Welcome to the Blackwood Show. I am Taylor Blackwood and this is my show. Got a great podcast for you guys today. Coming at you talking about the vaccine. So we're going to talk about the COVID-19 vaccine. What's going on with it? Who the major players are in it? Its impact on the economy and all sorts of other fun bonus facts for you guys. This is a topic I'm really um, passionate about. It's something that I spoke about early on in this podcast is that despite all this turmoil and especially during the times of all the uncertainty when everyone thought the world was crashing around them and a depression was locked in and blah, blah, blah. I was kind of giving some voice on this podcast that you need to keep an eye out because there's going to be some real winners during this pandemic. I was not prepared for how many winners there would be. I mean, it's amazing how resilient the economy has been so far. Knock on wood. Uh, it's amazing how well a lot of businesses have fared, despite you know a lot of people being decimated, especially in the service industry. A lot of sad stories there. But nonetheless, there are a lot of people making a lot of money and a lot of fortunes being made during uh, the virus. It's that classic uh, saying what they say when there's blood in the street by real estate. <laughs> well, you know, when, when there's uh, chaos, you know, some people call it a ladder, you know, that there's lots of people who, when there's uncertainty can make big moves and make a big impact. And for entrepreneurs, it can present a lot of huge opportunities. Well, one of them has certainly been in the vaccine race and there's been some crazy technology advances and some crazy money pouring into this. I'm going to cover all that and more on the podcast. And my goal is for you to come away with an understanding of the landscape of the vaccine, who the major players are, how they work and why it's significant. And hopefully that how you can use the current state of the vaccines as some reassurance for your investments during this and what you might look for. Uh, is future investments for those of you who play the stock market. I can't give investment advice. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. With that out of the way, I'll get to give a little bit of insight into what I'm doing. Like, like I said a moment ago, I called it early and often that there would be some winners during this pandemic. And one thing I've also highlighted on this podcast is that the money flowing into uh, biotech, in particular for the vaccine research, uh, things like CRISPR technology, things like mapping genomes and, and industries that deal with this, companies that deal with this, I called that they were going to really explode during this. And my reasoning was that you won't always get it right what the thing is. that, like By definition, you can't see the thing that surprises everyone, right? But one thing that we can see during all this is there's unprecedented money and funding from government grants, unprecedented international cooperation and major corporations working one another to solve one problem, and that's countering a virus. So there's going to be all sorts of unseen offshoots in technology, all sorts of unseen offshoots in development for vaccines, certainly, but also new technologies that we probably wouldn't even see coming. Uh, a parallel for this in history, because I'm a big believer that history repeats itself, is during wartime. And during wartime, there's unprecedented cooperation and R&D of you know, individual countries and sometimes allies working towards a common goal, and that's creating better weapons of destruction or communication, XYZ, you know, things that help in wartime. And other consumer technologies shoot off of that. I mean, you can point at countless ones, but like certainly GPS would be a great example of something that no one saw coming. Uh, I think to some extent, the cell phone, if I remember right. If you guys want to do more research on that, look up DARPA, D-A-R-P-A. 
and all the technology that's come from it. And you'll be amazed by all the things that you use in your daily life that basically came about, you know, at a time when none of these things existed, no one saw them coming as a, as a offshoot of the war effort, but all that R and D money in the hands of really smart people with lots of incentive and no distractions creates crazy things. I think the same thing is happening right now with uh, vaccine development, with research for, uh, these various uh, therapeutics, maybe, and all sorts of things, because everyone in the entire world is aligned at beating COVID-19. You have to think about that with a war, at least there's some like uh, non-cooperation against the different powers that be some non-participating countries, things like this. But in this case, every single country in the entire world is ravaged by this pandemic. Every single scientist that works in this area, all the smartest minds have really reallocated their time towards COVID-19, right? everything from the therapeutics to patient outcome tracking to statistics to certainly vaccine development and things like this. You have the smartest minds in the world from every single country united behind solving these issues. And even better than that, you have unprecedented flows of funding for R&D from the, from the governments around the world directly into these companies. That is a recipe for some crazy stuff to come in the future. So I can't give investment advice, but I have called out ARC G and I like the ARC funds, their index funds. ARC G is uh, the one that focuses in on genome. So it contains a lot of vaccine candidates. Uh, Illumina, which is another company that I invest in personally, hasn't done as well lately because it was already on like a high valuation during the pandemic, but they like map genomes and things like this. What's the first thing that happened when this virus came about? You know, quick Q&A. Can you get the question right? Do you know the answer? The first thing they do is they map it. They try to figure out what's going on with this little virus. What What is its genetic makeup? Uh, has it been manipulated? How can we attack it? So there's like, you know, thousands of variations of COVID-19 and all of them need to be mapped. Well, Illumina makes the equipment in some cases operates it for all the major uh, universities, all the big pharma, X, Y, Z. So like they, they, for example, I think are poised to do big things in the future because of all the money and, and use that's pouring into that. The whole basis, as you'll learn soon, of the vaccines is called messenger RNA. And that's a technology that ArcG invests in a big way. You know, I'm not quite good enough to pick out individual biotechs. And it's historically a very risky thing. I do play with some of them, but I love that index fund there. And I'm personally up 140 percent in it of my investment. Um, I think that's in close to a year. It might be just over a year. I've been holding that with a pretty decent chunk of my portfolio. Uh, and it certainly has exploded during the pandemic to new highs. It hits all, it, right now as of recording, uh, on black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, this, uh, arc G fund is at an all time high. So it's been a brilliant investment for, for me so far, but I think it's going to be a brilliant investment for decades to come to be in this space, whether it's in that index fund or another one like it, or just looking at individual companies and learning about them and picking them. And hopefully today's podcast will give a little bit of a jumping off point to that. So without further ado, with some high level thoughts out there of the vaccine, let's get into some specifics. Vaccines came on or ahead of schedule and appear to work great. This is crazy. We have vaccines that have 90% plus effectiveness rate. You guys have to understand in medicine, that's like unheard of. And I'll talk more about it against like a flu vaccine or something like that later in the podcast. But this is crazy. I mean, the effectiveness of this thing is just nuts. How quickly we got it is crazy. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit more as well. Uh, certainly the news and its timing couldn't have been better for the markets because the markets were really perched on a high due to speculation. We were going to get more like um, stimulus funding and relief for the COVID-19. But 
the election and all the politics in the U.S. really threw a, a wrench in the works for that, that we, we really didn't get any big bills passed, like the CARES Act Part 2 or something like that. I guess they did multiple CARES Acts. But you know what I mean? Like, we didn't get another stimulus like the markets were expecting in uh, November. And, and basically, the Senate couldn't agree. There was so much divisiveness in politics. Nothing really got done. There's been a huge distraction over the contested election. The point being that the markets were really poised to fall when that news came out that we weren't going to get a, a stimulus package. But instead, they've really rallied since then. And I really think that's large part because of the vaccine and its effectiveness. That's at least the the kind of word on the street, because there was a lot of question, you know, can we get the vaccine quickly? Will these first candidates actually work? And how can they develop a vaccine in this record time? I mean, you're talking about less than a year to develop, improve the effectiveness and safety of a vaccine has a lot of people scared, but it's really unheard of. And I think that's why people are scared. It's the unknown of can technology really change the normal schedule for these things, the technology and the impetus and need for it in this case with COVID-19 and it's terrible effects and huge, you know, impact on the world. And the answer appears to be yes. These vaccines came on time or and or basically on time, right? That some people had really aggressive schedules for them, but they really wanted a vaccine developed by the end of the year. And it looks like we're going to have multiple. And the effectiveness is crazy. 90% plus effectiveness is great. So the fact that we have multiple different candidates that can do this is just insane, guys. I don't know how to emphasize it enough. It, it's just, it blows my mind. And I couldn't have predicted that we would get it this fact fast with this hive of of a response. And really most of the market did not have this great of a result priced in. And that's why we've seen markets rally in the recent week. Um, let's see. We probably got saved by this timing. If you're in the stock market, like I said, it could have been a really ugly couple of weeks for that stimulus package didn't pass. There's been surging unemployment. You know, it was steady for a while. Now we're seeing some raising unemployment claims. We're seeing some cracks in the economy. Uh, since they didn't get that stimulus, consumer spending is continued to be robust, but I mean, that sentiment could really crack quickly if we didn't have this vaccine. So thank goodness we got it and got it when we did. The timing was not so good for Trump. They waited until right after the election to announce that they had the vaccine. And that could have been a big boost for him in the election had they done it the week before. So maybe these companies didn't want to put their finger on the scale. Some people um, uh, speculate that they don't like Trump because Trump is always uh, rallying against high uh, um drug prices and things like this, the big pharma likes. Now they're doing very reasonable pricing on the vaccine, which I'll cover later, but the, um, uh, you know, he's rallied against other drug prices being so exorbitant. So maybe they don't like him and want him out is the conspiracy theory, but nonetheless, terrible timing for Trump because it was the week after the election. So the week before <clears throat> that his administration basically oversaw, uh, um, uh, unprecedented development of this vaccine. And I think they did, they deserve a lot of credit, whether you, you know, like hater and different towards Trump that what they did with this operation warp speed, it's called that's the organization they set up or the, the government program to try to accelerate everything from therapeutics to the, uh, well here I wrote it here. It's a <clears throat> public private partnership initiated by the U S government to facilitate and accelerate the development, manufacturing and distribution of COVID-19 vaccines, therapeutics, and diagnostics. It was initially funded with 10 billion by the CARES Act and then 18 billion with BARDA, which is an organization I don't really understand, but it's basically like the mechanism between these biotechs and um, uh, the government for getting funding. So they, they put this Operation Warp Speed thing in place, and it really does deserve a lot of credit. This is an, an amazing thing they did for humanity to put this money into the hands of big pharma and to get these solutions as quickly. What a beautiful private public partnership that really yielded great results. They're going to save countless lives and put the economy back on track in XYZ. This is really optimistic news and I'm proud of the U S government for getting it done. Uh, politics aside, 
side note, you know, if you guys ever like the way I talk about these things or being able to summarize them and things, I just want to give you some insight. It's not that I'm some like wicked genius or something. <laughs> I say wicked. It's probably on my mind because I'm about to recommend Wikipedia. I just hop on Wikipedia, typed in Operation Warp Speed. You know, I use the news to kind of tease my um uh, tease and get some like leads for what I need to research. And then I just type a lot of this stuff into Wikipedia, to be honest, it's great information. And then on the things I want to take a deeper dive on, I go down to the citations at the bottom of those articles and you can read the sources and decide if they're for real and vet more information and get a more in depth understanding. But you can sound really smart just reading a Wikipedia article on something. So that's a little cheat code life hack for you guys, uh, that I'd give, but anyways, back to the point. Um, another big thing that this Operation Warp Speed did was it tore down approval barriers for the vaccine. So it got the bureaucracy out of the way. That's been a characterization of the Trump administration that'll be missed. You know, he really had a way of slashing bureaucracies and regulations. Some would argue to the detriment in certain cases, but also that does help uh, progress business in terms of profits. And, and in this case, vaccine development to take away a lot of that bureaucratic risk and bureaucratic red tape. Oftentimes you can look up anecdotes where the government is so inefficient and Trump did a good job of kind of tearing down those walls. Like I said, maybe some would argue he goes too far in certain cases. Some might argue he doesn't go far enough, but it's certainly a fact that businesses benefited from that certainty that's given by not having over-regulation or things like this. This is a great example of that. Tore down the barriers for the vaccine. Uh, that's really key to their development because that gives a bigger incentive for the companies to develop the vaccines and more certainty for them if they do. Um, so companies that re like received research funding included Moderna, which got 2.48 billion. Interestingly, that's billion with a B guys. This is crazy. $18 billion to these companies. That is an almost unfathomable amount of money. I mean, it's so fantastic that they did this. And that really is what's, you know, putting that money into R and D is just a brilliant thing. And again, don't lose sight yet. Yes. They're making this vaccine. It doesn't appear they're going to like really gouge the pricing and stuff. So the vaccine itself might not be like the biggest profit generator for these companies of all time, but the R and D money and all the applications they're going to find from the research that was done during this period is going to be insane for, I think decades to come, certainly in the next decade. So be on the look for investments you'd be early still in investing in a lot of this space. I think if you did it now, as long as you have a five to 10 year horizon, can't give investment advice, but that's my advice. <laughs> Anyways. So uh, Moderna got 2.48 billion with a B uh, Johnson Johnson's in there. AstraZeneca and University of Oxford were partners. Sanofi and GlaxoSmithKline were partners. Merck and AVI were partners. I mean, there's a long list of companies that got money from this. One more thing I want to highlight there is how I just said AstraZeneca and University of Oxford are partners, right? Sanofi, which is a big international um, uh, pharmaceutical company, and GlaxoSmithKline are partners. These are like unprecedented funding for these vaccine efforts, unprecedented uh, regulation teardown and barriers being removed for the vaccine approval. And then finally, un unprecedented cooperation amongst major multinational corporations and sharing information and partnering to develop these things. I mean, it's just like a recipe for success here, guys. These are the smartest people on planet Earth coming together with this one problem top of mind. It is just crazy. So those partnerships are another key part of this I wouldn't skip out on. Uh, companies not getting funding, including direct funding anyway, so they're already interesting was Pfizer BioNTech. And those that company was like the one that uh, led the race and has this hugely effective vaccine. It has some logistical issues for development or delivery because it needs to be really, really cold, like frozen, even more so than some of the other vaccines. 
but a huge effectiveness rate. Despite that, they didn't get direct funding for the R&D, but they did get a commitment of $2 billion for 100 million doses. So that's about $20 a dose. That's crazy, guys. I mean, I know everyone complains about any marginal thing they have to spend on medicine because you know, you don't want to have to spend on your health. You'd rather spend on a new TV or something entertaining, going out with friends. But guys, think about things that you spend $20 on. All right. $20 could be like bringing two friends to Starbucks. You know what I mean? And someone gets a pastry and all three of you get a complicated latte. $20 could get you a, a trip to Starbucks for you and the small group of people, or it can get you a vaccine developed within 10 months to stop the coronavirus. That is nuts. The fact that they're developing this for $20 blows my mind. The value there is insane for the consumer. And I know, again, people don't want to have to spend any money out of pocket on their health. They weren't expecting. So $20 might get some complaints and stuff like this. And, you know, it's going to be in the news that they made X number of profit off the vaccine, blah, blah, blah. They should profit, man. I'm going to tell you, you know, if it's okay for Starbucks to turn a dollar on producing your latte, then certainly you should be happy to see Pfizer turn a dollar on saving people from COVID-19 and, and saving the world's economies. What an incredible accomplishment for $20 for a dose of this stuff. Jeez, man, I am just, I'm blown away. It's, it's a brilliant thing. Hats off and kudos from the Blackwood show to all these executives and people who are pulling this thing off. I am blown away. It has my gratitude. I suggest you guys give them yours because I know oftentimes big pharma and all these companies get demonized, but geez, this is an incredible thing that they've done. I just really want to drive that home. I'm blown away. The pricing on these things is crazy, crazy low. I mean, this again is one of those reasons why I love ArcG going forward. They're going to get a halo effect from this, but there's going to be all these other offshoots from this tech. You know, they aren't trying to make big bank on the vaccine because I mean, geez, Logically, you should be able to charge more than $20 for the thing, right? But they aren't trying to extort people on these drug prices. And uh, I, I think that's a brilliant thing. But there's going to be lots of other offshoots that are brilliant. Uh, lots of the same technology has applications so far beyond just vaccines. And all the vaccines they might develop because of this is going to be nuts in and of itself. So I, I'm really, really blown away by Pfizer and BioNTech. And again, Operation Warp Speed, got to give them credit where credit is due. That's a pretty amazing thing that worked. I mean, 10 months, we have a vaccine for a new and novel coronavirus uh, that's wreaking havoc on the world, killing countless people, ruining economies, ruining lives. And we have a vaccine in 10 months because of Operation Warp Speed. Brilliant. You know, I mean, it's just you got to applaud that effort, man. That is unbelievable that they did that. So how effective are they? Insanely so is the answer to that question. How effective is the vaccine? It is insanely effective. And I am blown away that they got something that uh, Pfizer's might be 95% effective. That's unheard of. I mean, that's like unbelievable vaccine approval rate for something like a virus, right? Uh, to give you guys a little level set, flu vaccines are more like 40 to 60% effective. I mean, sometimes they're like as high as 67% in certain years, but like 40 to 60% is generally where they fall. Part of that's because the flu mutates so quickly, whereas COVID-19, knock on wood, does not appear to uh, uh, mutate as quickly, which is really good for a vaccine to have a stable virus out there. 
Uh, but nonetheless, that effectiveness rate is insane. So compare 40 to 60% uh, effectiveness rate to 95% effectiveness rate. What you care about with this is that you get what's called herd immunity. And that's where in order for a virus to pass, and excuse me if this gets a little pedantic for some of you guys, but in order for a virus to pass, someone needs to be sick and give it to someone else. So if people aren't getting sick, then they aren't giving it to other people. That's called herd immunity, right? Where instead of individual people not being able to catch the virus from an infected host, there being less infected hosts out there can also stop a virus in its tracks. And that's called herd immunity. And that's what we go for with viruses. You know, logically, like that's why they recommend that everyone gets vaccinated for certain things, especially kids and stuff like that, because the vaccine doesn't work on everyone logically. So the people who the vaccine doesn't work on, the people in this case in that 5%, but with the flu, the 60% of people that don't, you know, that a vaccine won't work on in certain years, they rely on other people who the vaccine does work on to get it. And we don't know whether it's you or someone else. So everyone needs to get it. And then we get herd immunity in that case at a certain level of adoption. So, you know, they start to calculate how many people would have to have the COVID-19 vaccine in order to get herd immunity. And that number comes way down when you have a 95% effectiveness rate. I'm really blown away by that. This is crazy. I'm blown away. I know I keep saying that, but I, I really am stunned by the results of this vaccine, how quickly we got it, how incredible it is. This is going to be a game changer for us guys. And you should, there's a huge cause for optimism. You certainly see it in stock market rallies uh, right now, but I am so excited about this. Uh, How do these vaccines work? This is probably the best part. And again, this goes to what I was speaking about, how new tech is going to come from this new effective things is going to come from this. Uh, They work very differently than other vaccines. So normally vaccines work by teaching your immune response to fight off a very close cousin of a virus. So they put like a damaged virus into you, your, your body fights it off. And that's why you can feel a little sick or down a little bit. Like if you get a flu vaccine or something like that, because your body is fighting like a modified and, and nullified version of it. It shouldn't really, that shouldn't really be the case, but you do get an immune response, right? And you get the antibodies and then your body is programmed when it sees the real virus without that modification the vaccine has. Uh, it kind of has an imprint about how it's going to fight this thing. Although the two are close cousins, it kind of teaches your think of it like it imprints into your immune system, a response to a very similar type of bug. So then when the other bug comes along, it can fight it much easier. This vaccine works very differently. It uses a technology named messenger RNA, and those are the molecules that carry genetic instructions to the cells. So the high level view of this is that it is sending instructions to your cells to produce proteins that are going to help it fight specific viruses, in this case, COVID-19, right? So I I copied out of an article, I found uh, some of the technical aspects here, so it it would be kind of smooth for me to explain on here, but that's the high level view. Uh, The company's M. A messenger RNA vaccine is wrapped in an envelope made of fatty material so its contents can get to their cellular targets. Once at the cells, the vaccine delivers genetic instructions for making a protein resembling the spike that juts from the surface of the new coronavirus. So it's making your body create a protein that resembles a spike from the coronavirus that it needs to attach to your cells. So it keeps you from being able to catch it is my understanding. Cells then make that protein, triggering an immune response that prepares the body to fight off the actual coronavirus if it comes. So this is using messenger RNA to teach your body how to fight, how to produce proteins that are going to help your body fight the specific virus. And in mind, that's a totally different thing than how we get most of our vaccines. 
Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine, which is in its late stage of testing, has appeared to work safely so far, also uses the technology. Messenger RNA vaccines haven't been approved for use before, but the pandemic provided the impetus for the technology's advancement. That company I mentioned earlier, BioNTech, the, my understanding is that the people who created this technology in the 90s were largely ignored for decades uh, until some people started to try to use it for like stem cell development. There's people who've been advocating for this for like, the better part of 30 years in specific one scientist that's one of the founders or is involved high up in BioNTech. So research that BioNTech company a little bit and you'll be impressed by the people involved. It's one female scientist. I don't know her name off the top of my head, but it was in my research for this podcast that she came up and like, I mean, she should get a Nobel prize, her and her uh, fellow scientists that uh, developed this thing. What amazing people and amazing work they did. And and they grinded it out. People were critical of them. They buried this technology for decades because they were skeptical of their articles. They largely got no attention and just kept grinding on this for years and years. And here it is coming and saving the world. It's an incredible story. I should almost do a podcast on just the founding of messenger RNA stuff alone, but it, it's pretty crazy. So read into BioNTech, pay attention to who that founder was. I should find it here for you guys real quick. If you, you guys will just be patient for me, I try not to do this too often during the podcast, but here we go. Here she is. Uh, I'm going to just butcher her name and, and I should learn how to pronounce it before because she's such an incredible person, but Catalin Carico. So Catalin is K-A-T-A-L-I-N. Carico is K-A-R-I-K-O with like a tilde over it. She's the senior vice president at BioNTech overseeing messenger RNA work. And she was the one I think who was a big advocate for it in the, in the, in the early days. Man, this is amazing. Oh, here it is. Catalin Carico spent the 1990s uh, collecting rejections. Her work attempting to harness the power of messenger RNA to fight disease was too far-fetched for government grants, corporate funding, and even support for her own colleagues in the 1990s. And here we are 30 years later, approximately 25 years later, depending on it to stop the pandemic. What an incredible woman and who deserves a lot of adulation. I'm blown away by her and her work and her, her tenacity and her resilience to keep promoting this as a solution. Look how, look how that tenacity is paying off for the human race. <clears throat> Truly amazing. So back to the vaccine, how will they be distributed? They'll be distributed by McKesson largely, which is who we use for supplying our uh, medical practices. I own testosterone clinics. Uh, for those of you who this is your first time listening to my podcast, uh, we got a chain of close to 50 of them now across the United States. I'm one of the owners in that. We use McKesson. I asked my rep about the vaccine the other day because I was kind of like trying to determine should we try to distribute it. My conclusion was no. There's plenty of people trying to or administer it, I should say. There's plenty of people trying to administer this. And I didn't want to step in line and confuse the logistics of it or try to, you know, our message to our patients is going to be to go get it from CVS or, you know, Walgreens or whatever else instead of trying to take some of the supply and give it to ourselves, to them out of our own specialty clinics, because it's not really our, our lane anyways. So that was kind of our conclusion, especially because it has such tight storage requirements. Uh, so some of these vac they, different vaccines have different ones, but like the Pfizer one, if I understand correctly, needs to be stored at like an extremely negative temperature. And then after it's taken out of that uh, temperature, it needs to be put in a regular freezer and still needs to be given within four days. So like there's logistical difficulties to distributing this vaccine or, or to distributing and to administering this vaccine. And that's why my company's kind of stepped out of the line of it. But nonetheless, I was kind of asking about the vaccine and they're very tight-lipped about it. They, the company at large says they'll be ready to ship within 24 hours of approval though. And that means that uh, within 48 hours, there could be people getting this vaccine in high-risk situations. That is 
crazy. So they could have high priority recipients in 48 hours from approval from the FDA. That is nuts, guys. I'm blown away by that. That means that right now, even though you know Pfizer's waiting the technical approval uh, from the FDA for this vaccine, they're producing it and sending it to McKesson, just getting ready to pump it out. I'm blown away by this. They are eating up needles and syringes, by the way. We do testosterone replacement therapy, which requires injections and syringes. Uh, and they are just, they have tightened the supply of those like crazy because of, you know, everyone's going to need two doses of this ostensibly, you know, million or billions of people around the world. And, you know, obviously needle supply and everything wasn't typically uh, uh, equipped for that. These companies, like, it's like if you had bought Clorox or whatever, the makers of Clorox bleach wipes in the early days, same with like needles. And now they're looking at like the, the people who, um, the companies that create the cold storage, that these vaccines are going to need all those people. If you could see that early, you can make a ton of money investing in those stocks. Anyways, ultra cold temps are required. So they need to reuse those packages. It's like a logistical nightmare I wrote here. I won't get into too much boring detail on that, but some logistics people are probably having cold sweats over what they're going to have to figure out to get this vaccine out to people since it has to be stored at such unbelievable cold temperatures. I think it was negative 70 degrees Celsius, if I understand correctly, is what they need to store and ship at. That's pretty crazy. Uh, when can we have it? The FDA approves, but they're speeding that up. Like I mentioned earlier, decisions might come in December for Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. So they could start developing this to, or administering this to high-risk people in December in 2020, the same year that this pandemic took hold, we could have the vaccine given to high-risk people. The high-risk people are 3 million old people in congregate homes, like nursing homes and things like this, and 21 million healthcare providers we're all relying on. So those are the people who are going to get them first so they don't get sick. What an amazing thing. I'm blown away. Um, which vaccine will win, quote unquote? They've all been competing to be first to market and kind of get that halo and things, but there's gonna be plenty of appetite for more than one vaccine. The different vaccines appear to have different strengths and weaknesses. So one of them isn't quite as effective at, like I mentioned earlier, like it doesn't, doesn't hit that 95% effectiveness rate, but it has much easier storage requirements. So it doesn't need to be frozen in shipping. So it's kind of like different trade-offs to different ones. I think each one's going to play its own role. And then, of course, if one ends up not being safe, knock on wood, whatever, that they can pull back on production on that one and then and rally up in another vaccine. That's why, you know, it's very risky to pick individual stocks for any biotech, but certainly for this vaccine race. But there's a lot of money to be made at it if you can do it well. But that's why I like buying index funds for it, because you, know, you might get it wrong with any one of them, but you can be right collectively and still make a nice return, I think, in this environment. Um, so which one will win? I think everyone can kind of win. You know, if you, you have to look at those logistical considerations of being frozen or not. So like if you're out in rural America or rural, whatever country, it's going to be hard for them to get the Pfizer one to you because it has to be frozen. You almost have to drive to a city center to get the vaccine. Well, if one doesn't have those same stringent refrigeration, uh, requirements that that particular vaccine does, then maybe it'll get used in the rural one while the Pfizer one will get used in the city. So there's lots of different ways to skin that cat and probably lots of, um, market share for all of them to gobble up. So, you know, I think that the kind of the punchline, which one will win <clears throat> so far, it looks like Pfizer, but, uh, Moderna closely on their heels are kind of the, the two that are going to quote unquote win, but there's lots of room for lots of these guys. And lots of them have, lots of the big pharma companies have agreements with whoever develops the correct vaccine to help them produce it and still make some profit off of it. So there's a lot of opportunity for everyone. And again, I think the long-term opportunity, if you can afford to have a five to 10 year plus horizon in investing, I can't give investment advice on this podcast, but if you can afford to have a five to 10 year horizon, buying the index funds that are involved in this space and the R and D that's pouring into this is going to be huge. So 
that's my thoughts on that front. And then finally, you know, the million dollar question, people are debating it. I heard Joe Rogan addressing it with Dave Chappelle on his podcast the other day. Will people take it? Will people take the vaccine? And that's a difficult thing to unpack. It stirs such strong emotions with people, such a strong response. In all honesty, I think most people are probably going to take it. That's kind of my read on it. Uh, conspiracy theorists and the anti-vax crowd get a lot of coverage, but they're like relatively small, you know, albeit they're growing. Um, you know, there's people who think that like this vaccine was developed by Bill Gates and it's so that he can track you or put something in your body. There's, there's some stuff like that going around. You know, I'm not trying to get people all riled up on this particular podcast, but you know, I talk more about the function of these things and functionally those things get a lot of news coverage because they're so controversial, but they probably aren't going to affect a lot of people taking the vaccine, if that makes sense. It, it, you're probably hearing more about that than it's going to actually have in numbers. That is, it's kind of getting outsized weight because it's so controversial, not because there really is a huge portion of people who are scared of or not willing to take the vaccine. That might happen a little bit until lots of people do, and then you'll get rolling. And, you know, it's experimental it's design and time to market. That's scaring some reasonable people, right? But nonetheless, I think as more and more people do it, it becomes the norm and people are going to end up taking it into 2021 is kind of my read on the situation. And then, I mean, there's always the speculation that certain fun things that people want to get back to going back to, you know, Vegas or going on a cruise or um, going to a concert, going to Coachella, you know, things that people like to do, maybe even going to certain restaurants. They might require proof that you've been vaccinated and there's lots of people in an uproar about that, debating it X, Y, Z, but it might actually happen. You know, it might be that you have to show proof of a vaccine or a negative test result to get into a casino in Vegas or to get into a cruise certainly would be a reasonable place for them to do that. And I'm sure they're debating that in those boardrooms. But nonetheless, it might be that certain consumers who don't want to take the virus or the vaccine are kind of browbeat into doing it so that they can go do things that they enjoy or get back to normal life. So that's kind of an interesting twist on it again. Um, you know, whether you like the vaccine, whether you hate it, whether you're planning to take it, whether you're not, it is a fact that we need herd immunity for the, a vaccine to work. That's true of any vaccine. So putting the specifics of this vaccine aside, you know, it could affect herd immunity if enough people don't take it. So that's an important thing to watch. But I'd be careful. It seems like the news is really overplaying and over exaggerating the incidence of that and the number of people who are scared of taking it. Um, or scared is wrong, but people who functionally won't take it when push comes to shove, I should say, is kind of getting over-exaggerated. So that's my read on that situation. Again, you know, that's kind of my high-level thoughts, but, you know, getting back to the core, or that's my detailed thoughts, but the high-level thoughts of this is, wow, you know, what an amazing accomplishment. You know, if this continues on track the way it seems like it will, we're going to look back at this as just one of the craziest parts of 2020 and one of the best success stories of partnerships between big government and big pharma, big corporations that we've ever seen. I mean, everything from the development of the vaccine to the cooperation with the government and the government officials having the, the foresight to put money into this thing to the distribution of it, to the uh, heroes, the healthcare workers on the front lines who are going to administer this thing, you know, in the face of the coronavirus and save us all who are currently heroes treating it, you know, against all odds and trying to keep people alive with this terrible bug. What an amazing thing, guys. I'm, I'm really blown away. This is one of the huge accomplishments of the year. And taking a step back, we need some silver linings this year. This is a silver lining. This is one you get to celebrate. And I'm so excited about it. So that's my thoughts on vaccines. I'd love to hear from you guys at the Blackwood show at gmail.com, or you can reach me on Instagram at the Blackwood show. And I really appreciate all the support. It's just been, I've had a lot of fun doing these podcasts. I've, I've done, 
Yeah, I've only been doing the podcast for like about half a year, but I've got more than one a week published on average. Uh, I, I, I need to be a little bit more consistent. I had a lull in November with a bunch going on personally and in business, but I'm, I'm trying to be real consistent and put a lot of these out there. And and I'm really grateful for the support, international support, which is kind of blowing me away too. But the, the podcast has been doing really well. And I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. You know, if you, if you would think of someone who would like this va- uh, this vaccine podcast and share it with them. That's my only ask. It's a huge help to me if you do that. Um, I know there's lots of great ways to be entertained out there, not the least of which are a bunch of great podcasts. So thank you for taking the time to listen to little old me. And I will talk at y'all soon. Peace.